Welcome, everybody. The sports jerks are coming. It's our third Red Sox pod since May, and it's going to have a third different take to it. I'll tell you that much. Before we bring in Jeremy and Andrew, and by the way, you may hear all kinds of noise in the studio because Charlotte, the producer, is back. But you never know. She might be good. She might not be good, but she's a very vocal producer. Um, We're going to play the theme song for our new season ticket showcase podcast because the theme song is actually very on the nose for lamenting about some of your favorite teams. In this case, the 2022 Boston Red Sox on July 17th of 2022. Here comes the theme song, which is actually belonging to season ticket showcase. And then the sports jerks on the other side. Highs and lows, wins and losses, it's been unbelievable. Bringing me joy and bringing me pain. They've taken years off my life. That's the deal we made. You're bringing me joy, you're bringing me pain, yeah, yeah. But every time I give up on them, they pull me back in. All right, so we got the sports jerks in the studio. We are coast to coast. From sea to shining sea, Jeremy Johnson joins us, Andrew Patterson joins us, but before they come in, let's recap where we've been. So on May 15th, we did a podcast, the three of us, Red Sox were 13-21, and 21, playing 38% ball, 382 winning percentage, and we all wrote them off. Fast forward about five or six weeks to June 26th, Red Sox overall record was then 41-31, and 31, following a 28-10 stint. They played 737 baseball. They were in second place in the American League East, third best record in the American League, and I called an executive order apology podcast. And how they were paid me less than a month later, 48 and 44 overall, 7 and 13 since our podcast, playing 350 baseball, the worst of the three I've cited, and much closer to their terrible start, fourth place in the AL East, seventh best record in the American League. Cora said the other day, the, the Sons beard manager at the Rays are injured too, but they're still making outs Make, because the Red Sox play like a little league team in Tampa. Um, so injuries can't be the excuse, fellas. I'll welcome you both in. I'll start with Andrew since Jeremy was on last night's podcast and he's three hours behind, which somehow makes sense in the space-time continuum. Andrew, who is this Red Sox team? Um, I, I wish I could answer you. I have no goddamn clue who this Red Sox team is. It is um, one of the most frustrating seasons of baseball I've ever watched. Uh, If only because they can be very good. Yeah, sure. This isn't 2020 where you watch and you're like, all right, well, these guys are awful. (laughs) And we know they're going to be awful. That that was a terrible season of baseball, but it wasn't frustrating like this one because when things go bad, you're looking at the same team who a couple of weeks prior – had everything going right and had everything connecting. There is just the lack of consistency. Yeah, um, is going to ruin your summer. Team. It's a 162 game season, so uh, being lack of consistency over 162 games is just incredibly frustrating. Yeah, that's fair. Jeremy. The flip side of that. Flip side of that is you get into the playoffs. If you're riding your hot hand, sure. You know. Okay. Jerry, who's this team to you, man? Well, the reason why they're inconsistent is because they've got, like, you know, a handful of guys who are 
making a ton of money and are big league ball players, and then they've got a handful of players that don't even belong in the big leagues. Half yeah. their lineup can't get a hit. So, I mean, like, they don't have, like, a legitimate first baseman. They don't have any depth in the outfield. They don't have any um, legitimate depth in the bullpen. Their starting pitchers are all injured, so we'll give them a pass, you know, for a minute. But th- that's what they are. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. is in, like, a 10th, 11th year of his career, and he's batting 208 or something. You know, Hunter Renfro's got uh, a dozen home runs wherever he is. Uh, you know, Kyle from Waltham's, like, leading the National League in home runs. Yeah. He would have come in handy. You know, like, we had guys that could fill these these roles and instead we're, we've got this patchwork of of big time stars making a ton of money and guys that shouldn't even be in the big leagues like Frankie Cordero we've been trying to talk ourselves into that guy since he came to the team he's not good enough to play in the big leagues he, he's just not Bobby Dalback had one great run when he realized that he was about to lose his job last year and before that and since then he's sucked um we need guys that can play defense. We need guys that can hit the ball. And we need guys that you can hand the ball to halfway through the game when your starters go out and you aren't just like, well, well how are we going to lose today? Right. Um, the reason why they're inconsistent is because they're a deeply flawed um, roster. They're not constructed properly. And that's why we look at this team and we're like, well, um, if we make it in the playoffs and our horses are all there, then who knows what can happen? Like, we play the Yankees pretty well. Like, that's the only team in the American League East we seem to be able to play well against. But that's because we've got big-time stud ball players, like legitimate big-time stud ball players. But then in between, we've got a bunch of guys that should be playing in Worcester and in Raleigh. Right. Okay? Like, they're not big leaguers. So who's and who's to blame? the problem. Who's I to think part of the failure for the construction of this team, too, is that they are almost trying to convince us that we have to ride it year to year. We're going to construct our team every year with the best players who are available. Um, and don't worry about these big time stars. It doesn't make sense to pay them all of this money. Cause then you can't afford these crucial pieces you're going to need. Should one of them get hurt or should one need an extended break? Um, and they can't even pick those guys, right? Correct. So, who's, is, so is the ownership to blame because they're trying to run this thing like it's a uh, a mid market club, even though we all know it's not? And by the way, they're in the south. They're in the southeastern conference of baseball, and that Vanderbilt would be pretty good if they were in the uh, Pac twelve, but they're not, and that's why they stink at football. So the the Orioles and the Blue Jays have proven this for years. You can't half ass it in the American League East, and our fans are way too smart. So is it the owner's fault? Is it Bloom's fault? What's yes. No, it's the owner's fault. Yes. Yeah. We're Good. right back there. We're, we're at Theo Epstein again, sneaking out of Fenway Park in a damn gorilla costume. Right? <laughs> Let these guys do their job. Right. Like The John Henry apology tour in the Boston Globe uh, made me physically ill. Which he owns, by the way, right? He is a fucking coward. All right? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a family podcast. My fault. He's a coward. Just come out yeah. and say it. Stop the double speak. The organization... Mm-hmm is caught in this win now, bill for tomorrow, and it's, like, it's directly because the ownership has their mixed messages and they can't figure out which foot they're going to stand on. Like, 
They're one of the most expensive teams in the league. They're also one of the most expensive days out in baseball. They are the most expensive day out in baseball. They own their own cable network. And he talks about money. Do not even begin to complain about money. They do it all the time. They say, this guy that they develop who wants to play for the Red Sox is too expensive. His proven commodity, who says he wants to play here, who plays well here, who hits the Yankees right, who pitches well against the Yankees, wherever they happen to be. They demonstrate that they want to be here. So they give them a low ball offer and they offend them. And then, yeah, I mean, that's, they leave. that's what, that's what Fenway Sports Group. I mean, John Henry, when he goes on and he talks about money, it's not just him. This is not John Henry with Tom Werner and a couple other guys who bought the Boston Red Sox 20 years ago. This yeah. is Fenway Sports Group. They own a little bit of everything. Can we play, can we, can we play uh, LeBron James for this? This is they went on and they bought the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. Have you guys been paying attention to what the Pittsburgh Penguins are saying since since they took over? No. What are they saying? They're doing the exact same thing. They are lowballing their players. They pissed Sidney Crosby off. Sweet. He's not good, right? Who's going to be there? They have own players who have expiring contracts. I think a Begbie Malkin just said the other day. I don't think they think I'm good anymore. Yeah. So. So they're just using all the money to uh, fund Liverpool Football Club, apparently, because that's the only team they own that's doing any good. Well, and then the, the minority owner of the Red Sox, LeBron James, is going on and saying that the fans are racist. True. Yeah. Nobody says a word about that. Which, by the way, the either they're all going to say... own fans racist, and he's using an example that somebody dumped a beer on him. Like, I'm sorry that we made fun of you because your dad, your mom had sex with Delonte West, okay? It doesn't Definitely a family podcast. <laughs> okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That might be the end of the pod, but it was a big bang, and I like it. Wow. I'm just like, I'm so tired of the double speak from this guy, from this franchise. And like, the reason why we are in the position that we're in is because they keep doing the same thing over and over again. Because as soon as they let a homegrown fan favorite talent walk, they replace them with an overreaction that costs so much money that then they can't sign the next homegrown fan favorite player. I just want to watch the guys that come up with the team. I want the team to develop top flight, young starting pitching, and then pay position players who you can actually reasonably count on to perform year to year in a high pressure pay environment. Them the money, yeah, like. You can do that. Like, forget everybody talks about the Rays. Like, oh, we're going to be the Rays. The Rays. I'm Bloom's going to be the Rays North. We're going to be. No, we want to be the Dodgers. Right. The Rays have won zero World Series in the history of their franchise. They're competitive with nothing. Okay. They keep developing Cy Young caliber. Because they have to. It's their only option. It's their only option. We can do that too. Right. And have money. The Dodgers, we can sign guys that are great investments. Like, how are we not like? But uh, Rafi Devers is like the biggest sure thing in the history of baseball. He's better than Mookie. He's a better investment than Mookie. He's younger than Xander. There's no question. Yeah, there's no question. Drive up the Brinks truck, sign the guy, and that's it. And if you're not going to do it, then you need to trade everyone like this week. Right. You need Vasquez. I'm talking JD Martinez. I'm talking Xander Bogarts. Trade everybody. Show some stones. Get off mm-hmm. in the middle seat. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, I was just going to say, if if this team ends up not signing Rafi Devers, can we just book the Sports Jerk podcast 
uh, on that date right now, and it'll just be 45 minutes of me primarily screaming. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do, because I've been dabbling back in editing again with the other pop we're doing, right? So season ticket showcase plug. Um, I will have you screaming in the background on a separate track of the entire podcast. I will do yeah. that for you because it will be worth it. Because this guy really, is the best guy they've had James, in a long time. Hopefully LeBron James still owns the Boston Red Sox on that week and he says something terrible about Boston too. And it is just, it's the Sports Jerks mixtape drop of me screaming and Jeremy yelling about LeBron James. By the way, oh my God. you know, what Jeremy did say involved LeBron's family, so technically it is a family podcast still. I just thought of that. <laughs> she, I mean, it's like they were selling T-shirts about yeah. Yeah. his mom yeah. at like South Station. Of course they Devante were. West. And that made him mad. And I don't see what that has to do with his ethnicity but I have a, or his race. Co- uh, number so one, correct. I mean, you know who's going to hear it? Uh, it's going to be Zach Wilson now. When, he, oh when boy. he comes here, sure. But because at least you, well, you saw you saw the news about Zach Wilson. Of course, I think we also I think we also the news about Zach Wilson. But right. So I mean, Zach Wilson's going to hear that. I, I think overall, of course, LeBron James has a point. I have a question though. Why would LeBron James buy into a sports venture that owns a, a team in a town that he hates so much? Because uh, the whole thing with Delonte West happened before he bought the bought into the Sox. Yes, I, he wants to own a team. He's long said it's as long, and I think. This is his intro into meeting the people he's going to need to help him buy oh, yeah. a team. Million percent. Building up a more of a portfolio. Um, he has long said he wants to own. But yeah, no, I, I get, I get why he did it. But again, if if you hate this city, and ostensibly most of the Celtics fans are the Red Sox fans, and f- spoiler alert, a lot of Red Sox fans don't even like the Celtics for even more nefarious reasons. Um, why buy the team? Why buy the he team? Did it, he did it because. Johnny Dollar signs there. John Henry saw an opportunity that's going to line his own pocket sure. and bring attention to so, 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 so back to everybody. So back to everybody's point. They're all giant hypocrites. They're all giant hypocrites, right. which is why we can't afford Rafi Devers, even though we could afford Kung Fu Panda and Adrian Gonzalez and every piece of junk can't handle the pressure free agent we've ever signed, Carl Crawford. And then we can't pay Mookie Betts. Because, oh, he's too expensive. He's worth every penny, guys. He's worth every penny. Ask the Dodgers. Ask Red Sox fans. And Rafi, to Jeremy's point, younger, better. Stop it. Cora made an interesting comment on um, his you know, weekly interview the other day. Where he, he was joking, but he called this season the last dance. He referred to it as the last dance. And I found that really interesting. That's horrible, reasons Because... Um, it's an acknowledgement of the elephant in the room that this team is not going to look the same. They're not going to sign everybody. That's crazy. Um, but it's also, um, to me, The Last Dance was, so much of that series was a story of the players against management and the ownership. There you go. Okay. And over and over again for the last 20 years, we have seen this antagonistic relationship between ownership and the players. They... They treat their existing players like a resource train and um, a pain in their ass, and they only um, they only drive out the the PR truck for the guys that take the hometown discounts. 
And anyone that's got contracts coming up, there's always like mutterings about them. There's always like negative PR about them. They put David Ortiz, um, a, a, a regional hero, through this like every other year it seemed when they lowballed them, and he didn't want to go anywhere. Um, Dustin Pedroia signed the hometown discount deal, and you know he got his face on every billboard that they could. Like just anybody that looks like they might not play ball and play for less than their market value gets ripped and gets questioned and gets run out of town or traded eventually. And, and you it, know, frankly, it's pathetic. That and game it, works better. It, that game works better when you only had WEEI. When you only had one sports radio station right. that was broadcasting your games to trumpet your propaganda, yeah. permanently affixed to your ass. They were take whatever you said and spew it out to all of their listeners. And I don't get why. I, I, I know people hate Tony Maserati and Mike Felger, but to me, they do a great job of calling that BS out, BS out on what it is. Um, and I think, frankly, it's made Red Sox, it's made ownership's job more difficult because you don't control the radio. You only the biggest sports radio talk in town anymore. Not even close. You're not controlling everything that gets out about these players. Right. Um, and the and ratings, the ratings, the ratings for the sports hub for the actual talk shows, the actual you know day to day, are ten x what EEI brings in. So Correct. nine out of ten Boston sports radio listeners uh, are hearing some version of calling these guys out for what they are, which is charlatans. Who the only reason? Let's also be honest. The only reason that we thought they were even great owners is because the racist, inept former ownership group was the bottom of the barrel of ownership groups of all time. So, nice job stepping over the one-inch limbo bar, guys. Thanks for the world championships. Sell the damn team. Sell the damn team. Sell the damn team. That's because they would let... That's because, like, in spurts, they let general managers do their job. Right. And then they turn around and they... They take the power away from them, or they do a they do a regime change. And they bring in Dombrowski. They double down on the mistakes again. They go... go, They're just... They lack, they lack, I mean, for a bunch of billionaires, it's incredible how little long-term strategy they have. Maybe this is what it's like because you're involved in microtransactions and hedge trade, hedge fund trading, and you're only focused on the quarterly numbers, and so you're only a short-term, you know, um, mentality, but, like, this team, we have the the building blocks and organization in place to be in like the mix every year, every single every year, year, Mm -hmm. like an absolute juggernaut and the fans will line up and even sports hub for like, like, let's be honest guys. The reason why they call them out of charlatans is because they don't have the games to broadcast. They don't, they don't do that with the Celtics. They don't do that with the teams that they broadcast. You know, they they play favorites with the people that they talk about favorably. And that's yeah. a whole other inside radio thing. But, like, the bottom line is this team could own this town. And every yeah. time they're good and exciting and they have, like, fan favorite players, they do own this town, even with the Patriots and Brady involved. When the Red Sox are rolling, it's the summer, dude. There's nothing else on. True. You're not competing against any other sport. Like, we're about to enter into, like, the black zone of the sports calendar. We're like a day away from yes, there. Yes, all star breaks nothing. tomorrow, right? Yeah, there's nothing, no sport. There's be like right. crew races. Like, there's nothing. There's just, Gav's going to be watching like 
tennis doing shots of hot sauce. But I'm watching tennis know, right now. You're just gonna be staring out the window. Yeah. 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 I hear you. So let's let me ask you guys this. Let's let's take that last dance mentality and realize that we're very likely gonna have a chance to crush ownership come August, September, October, November. Um, very likely. Market. What's the ceiling for this team, last dance style? And Andrew, I think you alluded to it. If they make the playoffs, they'll be backing in based on the play right now. But here's the thing. They play 500 the rest of the way through 92 games. They're four games over. They'd be 83 and 79. And with, what, there's two wild cards now? Yeah. There might be a shot if you play 500 the rest of the way. There's a shot. There's a, I mean, this team is making the playoffs. As bad as they have okay. been recently, this team is making the playoffs. I said it at our last one. It's I, I think they make the one game play in that battle between uh, wild card teams. Sure. Um, this team is making the playoffs. Now, okay. what they do in the playoffs depends entirely on these individuals who all show. Like, let's take last night's debacle, Nick Pavetta. I mean, Nick Pavetta has not. He he desperately needs a break. He has not pitched anywhere close to what he did when he was carrying this pitching staff when they were good. Nick Pavetta was unstoppable. He was going in and he was pitching six, seven innings, giving them what they needed. His last three starts, he looks like he's throwing batting practice. I mean, they were yeah, destroying that ball last night. So his arm is done. He needs a break. Okay, well, he's got all-star break, right? And then maybe we manage him for another couple of months. But what is he going to look like at the end of September? What is, his, what is he going to be throwing at the end of September? You know, um, Sale looks great coming back. That's great. What's he going to look like in September? You have to remember, these guys have half the season to go. And they are not getting more rest as the season goes on. Your bench is not getting deeper. Your staff isn't going longer into games. Um, now, that same can be said for every other team that's that's going to be in the playoffs, right? But every other team has shown, like, I mean, the Yankees, that bullpen is a juggernaut Jeremy, is this um, is this a playoff team, Jeremy? Well, that you know, unfortunately, <laughs> because if they were just a little worse, then we could maybe we're in we're in limbo, man. We're in the middle. Like, yeah. They, like if they're a little worse, then they may actually have the courage to pull this thing out and just like let's 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 pull off the band aid. Let's stop going worse to first. Right. Stop. Like, oh my God, I've been asking for this for years. Like, you have, literally. They need a first baseman. Yeah. They need at least two relievers. They need to have health in their starting staff. They were, they, during their winning, you know, their winning streaks or their winning period, they were overclocked. And they still had a bunch of injuries. So everybody was picking up extra duty. Their pitchers were going extra innings. They, they were coming in like an extra um, appearance per week. And here we are, we're crashing into the All-Star Game wall. And Cora did what he had to do because they were playing terrible teams that he needed to beat those teams. Um, but now they've got nothing left. And we can't, like, we can't manage this team like we're in a seven-game series for 162. Correct. So that's why you need depth. That's why you need, like, an, a, a lineup that is one through, you know, let's just say, like, seven instead of, like, five or six. Like, yeah. You need you need starting pitchers that can go um, two and a half, three times through the lineup. Right. Um, 
And, and, and with relievers that are going to just give away games, my God, if you just looked at blown saves alone, if we won yeah. half of those, they've left we'd that be out of the game. in the wild card. Yeah. Here's the other thing. With playoff expansion and more teams now making the playoffs, you also need to be that much more set at the beginning of your season because there are way more buyers than sellers. Yeah. And teams that are selling can just crank up the price of their reliever. Correct. What do they care? People can't, like, tell their fans, like, they can't talk their fans into um, tanking for the season because they're still kind of in it. Right. So they're, they're like, it's like a lot of this league is caught in the, this like weird middle zone. And then you end up with a team like ours last year. We're like, I wouldn't trade last year's run for anything. It was awesome. It was so much fun. But like, we mm-hmm. knew all along that the they weren't good enough. Right. Because the team wasn't good enough. Right. And eventually right. it happened. But at least we beat the Yankees. And that's pretty much what I'm left hoping for this year. I, I like, A number one. I want them to put some stones and tell us what the plan is and move in on the plan and stop hedging everything. Or two, make the playoffs and beat the Yankees. That's my my, my only wishes for this season. That's it. Fair. That and sign Rafi Devers. Double fair. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's my goal. My, my, my beginning end goal right now is just sign Rafi Devers. Seriously. This season, what you do on top of that is is a cherry. Um, but if you can sign Raffy Devers and build around him, um, that gives me that you know there's a lot of fun seasons to watch in that. Plus, Raffy's good enough to like. Raffy could be a DH down the line, right? Like Raffy's a professional yes. hitter. Professional you can sign hitter him to a ten year deal, and it's not the last deal of his. That's career. that's what I mean. Like with Mookie. I, I, I still say you sign him, you're a big enough club to do it. He's a fan favorite. What are you doing? But I get the the reasons why maybe you wouldn't find. But you made the point earlier, he's younger, he's better. But he is Big Poppy who can right now play competent third base. But he's got a flair for the dramatic. He is he owns Yankees pitchers in Yankee Stadium or anywhere. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he has since he was 19. Right. He's all the intangibles. Right. He's all the history. He's homegrown. He's uber talented. And as his body maybe breaks down or gets bigger and less flexible in the field, he can play DH forever. Yeah. And, and I mean, let's, he is hometown disc. He's not signing a hometown disc. No, and he shouldn't. And, I mean, the dam broke. You saw Juan Soto the other day, what he turned down. Yeah, 40, 400 million? $450 million, over 15 years. Um, I think you said a 10-year contract. I think Juan Soto's, our Jeremy said it's looking for a 10-year contract because then he can sign another one for three or four yeah. after that. But Juan should. Soto's going to get 10 years, $400 million. Right. In well, 10 years, gonna... his deal is going to seem like nothing. a bargain. Like nothing. How Correct. does Henry Correct. not see this? Like, how do these guys not... This happens... Every this has been happening since I was like five years old. When like I remember when Roger Clemens got his deal with the Blue Jays, I was like, you know, what was that, like seven or eight years old or something? I was like, I remember like five years for twenty five million dollars. Are you kidding me? Right. You know, like and like by the time you know, ten years later, that was like what you were paying middle relievers. Right. Yeah. You're getting a Cy Young candidate, perennial Cy Young candidate every year. Like this is what happens in sports. For better or for worse, it's a, it's a multi-billion-dollar enterprise. There's a 20% premium signing free agents or signing guys whose contracts are up, 
And then in a few years, they're actually a bargain if they perform. But when you sign bad guys over and over again, and then you use that as an excuse for not wanting to sign good guys, then that's yeah. when my temple starts to throb. Like, Correct. I'm just like, and I can't shake it while I'm watching this team play. I can't let go of that. So you can only imagine what that feels like in the clubhouse. These guys are sensitive. You remember last year's trade deadline? Yeah. They went in the tank yes. because they didn't think they signed enough. Yes. And they're like, mm-hmm. don't believe in us. Like, give me a, first of all, give me a bleeping break. You're a bunch of grown men. But <laughs> second of all, like, then, you know, Kyle from Waltham comes in and starts ripping the cover off the ball, and Bobby Dahlbach finally shows a little bit of spark. And then they're all happy again, and they, you know, they're ready to make a run for it. But, like, you think this isn't weighing on these guys? And Yeah, right. Of course, trying to use it as um, as motivation, but like I've been looking at the lineup right now. Like Duran is not a major league ready right fielder. Jeter Downs is not a major league ready second baseman. Frankie Cordero is not a major, a major league. league first baseman like, at all. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a, is a ninth inning, an eighth inning, ninth inning defensive replacement when you've got a two run lead. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're facing Garrett Cole in Yankee Stadium. And we're trotting out a lineup that's got four guys that should not be starting in the American League East it's in a, yeah. Big League Baseball. It's a 2006 National League Central lineup at, at best, and that's probably an insult to the 2006 National League Central. When you can win 88 games and you might win the, you know, might get yourself into the playoffs and, you know, on the strength of some starting pitchers. Right. Well, yeah, you can't, like, like to go to the point Jeremy said earlier, you can't have four guys that are winning all of your games. No. You just can't. You can't have a one through four lineup or a one through five or however, however deep you want to say the rest five, of the lineup. They're loaded one through five, and then they've got yeah. a bunch of, like, major league minimum guys. Right. And, and, like, that's not how you build a team. Like, base, the baseball finds the guy that's the least comfortable. Like, yes. If they took me and put me in right. It would go to you every time. Well, they certainly would with two outs in the ninth. Yep. Yeah. Two men on. You know where that ball's coming? It's coming right at me on a short hop because I am scared to death. Okay? <laughs> right. That is what the baseball does. This is what we know. Yes. Right? Like, I know that they don't teach that in, in Ivy League sports management schools, but, like, we all know that the baseball finds the guy that sucks. Yeah. And yeah. we've got four of them. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the guy who the guy who scared who's scared and who swings at balls that are five feet out of the strike zone, looking at you, Bobby Dahlbeck, he's always the guy up with two outs and three and two on down one in the ninth. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rafi Devers yeah. isn't coming up with the game on the line in the season. No, he's on second base because he stroked a double. It's Richie Cordero weekly grinding out to second. Yeah, exactly. And it's all these guys who have shown you, I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck basically has written a roadmap how to get him out. Yes. <laughs> you know, like he has broadcasted as loudly as possible like hey if you want to get me out just throw me this crappy pitch and get me to chase doesn't matter if I had a 10 pitch at bat before that where you finally think oh I'm learning I will strike out on balls out of the strike zone yeah. please throw them to throw me throw me low and away and I will switch this is the other side of starting four guys that shouldn't be in the big leagues is we're exposing our fool's gold prospects to right. other big league clubs. When you bury them in the minors and they bat 315, 
and they they show power, then you can talk an organization like the Oakland Athletics into trading major league talent for the guys, yeah, for them, yeah, because mm-hmm. you're like, well, I mean, you know, we get them in the system, and you know, we we coach them up, and look at the power numbers, and they talk themselves into it. But when you put them in the big leagues, and they can't crack two fifty, and they can't hit outside breaking stuff, and they got a hole in their swing up near their hands and a fastball, like, we're just we're just we're we're spoiling any value these guys might have to trade for big leaguers who actually can play in the big leagues. All right, so, so scariest environment imaginable because they refuse to get off the pot and they refuse to just spend like they should spend for seven, eight years in a row and see what happens. So I honestly think we've, done, we've dedicated more than enough time to an ownership group that continues to try to pretend that we're a fan base who doesn't understand what's going on. So with that, with that I, am bookmarking, uh, I am bookmarking us for either... August, or whenever whatever somebody's making right now with water is done on the stove. Either way. Trade deadline. Let's be back at the trade deadline. All right, we're back at the trade deadline, and then we're back when and then when we're back when it's over. <laughs> All right, guys, stick around for a minute. We will catch up. Uh, I do think that we're thinking playoffs. We're thinking, can you end the Yankees season again? And that's about it. But I'll be really interested to see where we go here from from uh, what are we now? We're 48 and 44. Yeah. 7 and 13 in the last 20. One more game tonight before the All Star break. Very interested to see where we're going to be on August 1st. Tell you that much. All right, guys, thanks for being on. Talk to you soon. Yeah. All right, so that pod was wild with not only content, but also sounds coming all over the place, including Andrew's door, Andrew's sink, Charlotte, the producer. And any other noises you might have heard. But you know what? That's why it's filibuster freestyle. You might have even heard Cindy Harrington in there at some time. But anyway, hold on to yourselves. And for old time's sake, bye.